Chapter One of In the Footprints of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: Old Days in El Dorado. Five: Atop a Telegraph Hill. Perhaps it is a mile wide that Golden Gate, and it is more bronze than golden. A fort was on our right hand, one of those dear old brick block houses that are formidable in their day, but now are as houses of cards drop one shell within its hollow and there will be nothing and no one left to tell the tale down the misty coast beyond the fort was point lobos a place where wolves did once inhabit farther south lie the semi-tropics and the fragrant orange lands while on our left to the north is point bonita pretty enough in the sunshine and thereabouts is drake's bay Behind us, dimly outlined on the horizon, the Farallons lie faintly blue, like exquisite cloud islands. The north shore of the entrance to the bay was rather forbidding. It always is. The whole California shoreline is bare, bleak, and unbeautiful. It is six miles from the Golden Gate to the seawall of San Francisco. There was no seawall in those days. We were steaming directly east with the Pacific dead astern beyond the fort were scantily furnished hill slopes that quadrangle with a long row of low white houses on three sides of it is the presidio the barracks a lorner or lonelier spot it were impossible to figure there were no trees there no shrubs nothing but grass that was green enough in the rainy winter season but as yellow as straw in the drought of the long summer beyond the presidio were the lagoon and washerwoman's bay black point was the extremest suburb in the early days and beyond it mike's wharf ran far into the north bay and was washed by the swift flowing tide san francisco has as many hills as rome the most conspicuous of these stands at the northeast corner of the town it is telegraph hill upon whose brawny shoulder stood the first home we knew in the young metropolis after rounding telegraph hill we saw all the city front and it was not much to see a few wooden wharves crowded with shipping and backed by a row of one or two-story frame buildings perched upon piles the harbor in front of the city more like an open roadstead than a harbor for it was nearly a dozen miles to the opposite shore was dotted with sailing vessels of almost every description swinging at anchor and making it a pretty piece of navigation to pick one's way amongst them in safety as the john l stevens approached her dock we saw that an immense crowd had gathered to give us welcome the excitement on ship and shore was very great after a separation of perhaps years husbands and wives and families were about to be reunited our joy was boundless for we soon recognized our father in the waiting welcoming throng but there were many whose disappointment was bitter indeed when they learned that their loved ones were not on board often a ship brought letters instead of the expected wife and family for at the last moment some unforeseen circumstance may have prevented the departure of the one so looked for and so longed for in the confusion of landing we nearly lost our wits and did not fully recover them until we found ourselves in our own new home in the then youngest state in the union how well i remember it all 
we were housed on union street between montgomery and kearney streets and directly opposite the public school a pretentious building for that period inasmuch as it was built of brick that was probably shipped around cape horn california houses such as they were used to come from very distant parts of the globe in the early fifties some of them were portable and had been sent across the sea to be set up at the purchaser's convenience they could be pitched like tents on the shortest possible notice and the fact was evident in many cases our house a double one of modest proportions was of brick and i think the only one on our side of the street for a considerable distance there was a brick house over the way on the corner of montgomery street with a balcony in front of it and a grocery on the ground floor that grocery was like a country store one could get anything there and from the balcony above there was a wonderful view indeed that was one of the jumping-off places for a steep stairway led down the hill to the dock two hundred feet below as for our neighbors they dwelt in frame houses one or two stories in height and his was the happier house that had a little strip of flower land in front of it and a breathing space in the rear the school our first school in california backed into the hill across the street from us the girls and the boys had each an enclosed space for recreation it could not be called a playground for there was no ground visible it was a platform of wood heavily timbered beneath and fenced in from the front of it one might have cast oneself to the street below at the cost of a broken bone or two in those days more than one leg was fractured by an accidental fall from a soaring sidewalk above and beyond the schoolhouse telegraph hill rose a hundred feet or more our street marked the snow line as it were beyond it the hill was not inhabited save by flocks of goats that browsed there all the year round and the herds of boys that gave them chase especially of a holiday the hill was crowned by a shanty that had seen its best days it had been the lookout from the time when the forty niners began to watch for fresh arrivals from the observatory on its roof a primitive affair all ships were sighted as they neared the golden gate and the glad news was telegraphed by a system of signals to the citizens below not a day not an hour but watchful eyes sought that signal in the hope of reading there the glad tidings that their ship had come the hill sloped suddenly from the signal station on every side on the north and east it terminated abruptly in artificial cliffs of a dizzy height the rocks had been blasted from their bases to make room for a steadily increasing commerce and the debris was shipped away as ballast in the vessels that were chartered to bring passengers and provision to the coast and found nothing in the line of freight to carry from it upon those northern and eastern slopes of the hill a few venturesome cottagers had built their nests the cottages were indeed nest-like they were so small so compact so cosy so overrun with vines and flowering foliage usually of one story or of a story and a half at most they clung to the hillside facing the water and looking out upon its noble expanse from tiny balconies as delicate and dainty as toys 
their garden plots were set on end they must needs adapt themselves to the angle of demarcation they loomed above their front yards while their back yards lorded it over their roofs indeed they were usually approached by ascending or descending stairways or perchance by airy bridges that spanned little gullies where ran rivulets in the winter season and they were a trifle dangerous to encounter after dark there were parrots on perches at the doorways of those cottages and songbirds in cages that were hidden away in vines there were pet poodles there i think there were more lap-dogs than watch-dogs in that early california and there were pleasant people within those hanging gardens people who seemed to have drifted there and were living their lyrical if lonely lives in semi-solitude on islands in the air i always envied them i was sorry that we were housed like other folk and fronted on a street than which nothing could have been more commonplace or less interesting its one redeeming feature in my eyes was its uncompromising steepness nothing that ran on wheels ever ran that way but toiled painfully to the top tacking from side to side forever and forever all the way up weary were the beasts of burden that ascended that hill of difficulty there was the itinerant marketer with his overladen cart and his white horse very much winded he was a yorkshire man and he cried with a loud voice his appetizing wares cabbage taters onions wild duck wild goose well do i remember the refrain probably there were few domestic fowls in the market then moreover even our drinking water was peddled about the streets and sold to us by the huge pailful the goats knew saturday and sunday by heart every saturday we lads were busier than bees we had at intervals during the week collected what empty tin cans we might have chanced upon and you may be sure they were not a few the markets of california in early times were stocked with canned goods flour came to us in large cans probably the barrel would not have been proof against mould during the long voyage around the horn everything eatable i had almost said and drinkable we had in cans and these cans when emptied were cast into the rubbish heap and finally consigned to the dump cart we boys all became smelters and for a very good reason there was a market for soft solder we could dispose of it without difficulty we could in this way put money in our purse and experience the glorious emotion awakened by the spirit of independence with our own money earned in the sweat of our brows it was pretty hot work melting the solder out of the old cans and moulding it in little pig leads of our own invention we could do as we pleased and no question asked oh it was a joy past words the kindling of the furnace fires the adjusting of the cans the watching for the first movement of the melting solder it trickled down into the ashes like quicksilver and there we let it cool in shapeless masses then we remelted it in skillets usually smuggled from the kitchen for that purpose and ran the fused metal into the moulds and when it had cooled we were away in haste to dispose of it some of us became expert amateur metalists and made what we looked upon as snug little fortunes yet they did not go far or last us long 
the smallest coin in circulation was a dime no one would accept a five-cent piece as for coppers they were scarcely yet in vogue money was made so easily and spent so carelessly in the early days the wonder is that anyone ever grew rich a quarter of a dollar we called two bits if we wished to buy anything the price of which was one bit and we had a dime in our pocket we gave the dime for the article and the bargain was considered perfectly satisfactory if we had no dime we gave a quarter of a dollar and received in change a dime we thus paid fifty per cent more for the article than we should have done if we had given a dime for it but that made no difference a quarter called for two bits worth of anything on sale a dime was one bit but two dimes were not two bits and it was only a very mean person in our estimation who would change his half dollar into five dimes and give five bits worth of goods for four bits worth of silver sunday is ever the people's day and a san francisco sunday used to be as lively as the lord's day at any of the capitals of europe how the town used to flock to telegraph hill on a sunday in the olden time they were mostly quiet folk who went there and they went to feast their eyes upon one of the loveliest of landscapes or waterscapes they probably took their lunch with them and their families if they had them though families were infrequent in the fifties they wandered about until they had chosen their point of view and then they took possession of an unclaimed portion of the hill they squatted as was the custom of the time the squatter claimed the right of sovereignty and exercised it so long as he was left unmolested one man seemed to have as much right as another on telegraph hill and one right was always his no one disputed him the right of vision he shared it with his neighbor and was willing to share it with the whole world for generations he has held it and he will probably continue to hold it so long as the old hill stands from the heights his eye sweeps a scene of beauty there is the golden gate bathed in sunset glories and there are the northern shoreline that climbs skyward where mount tamalpais takes on his mantle of mist there is sausalito with its green terraces resting upon the treetops and there the bit of sheltered water that seems always steeped in sunshine now the haunt of houseboats then the haven of a colony of neapolitan fishermen and angel island with its military post and fort alcatraz a rocky bubble afloat in mid-channel and one mass of fortifications what an inland sea it is the bay of san francisco seventy miles in length from ten to twelve in width dotted with islands and capable of harboring all the fleets of all the civilized or uncivilized worlds the northern part of it beyond the narrows is known as the bay of san pablo the straits of carquinez connected with suisun bay which is a sleepy sheet of water fed by the sacramento and san joaquin rivers to the east is yerba buena vulgarly known as goat island and beyond it the contra costa with its alameda oakland and fruit vale then the coast range and atop of all and beyond all mount diablo with its three thousand eight hundred feet of perpendicularity beyond whose summit the sun rises and from whose peak 
almost half the state is visible and almost half the sea or at least it seems so but that's another vision end of part five